Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, for gas, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us on the radio stations, iTunes, YouTube, or the show website, CREshow.com. This segment is brought to you by ArborCrowd.com. If you're a sponsor or an investor in commercial real estate, check them out. Well, today we're talking about retail investment market, performance of the retail properties. The show is called Retail 2018. A lot going on in retail. Online sales continues to grow. We also have a change in use of a lot of these retails where uh, properties becoming more of an, an experience. And we also have the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. Our Americans are going to have more money. And it seems like when you put money in Americans' pockets, they spend it. So what will happen with consumer confidence? What will happen with brick and mortar sales? And how will that impact the retail investment market and performance of these properties? That's what we're going to talk about and more today. Please welcome my first guest. It's Barbara Denham. Barbara is an economist with Reese. Barbara, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Barbara, when you look back at 2017, I think we're all curious of how did retail properties really perform? Because if you look at the news, you would think that uh, all the retail is vacant. So what did you see? Uh, you know, it's funny that you say that because that's exactly what our numbers do. They kind of defy what the media has been saying. We actually show positive net absorption in the neighborhood and community shopping center um, every single quarter this year to about, uh, in, in the fourth quarter, is 1.8 million, which was the highest since the first quarter, about 2.6. And there is still new construction coming online in the uh, community shopping center. So overall, the vacancy rate has been flat at 10.0%. It's been the same for three quarters. It's really been the same for about three years because there's less net absorption this cycle than there has been in the past, and it actually decelerated in 2017. But it's been on par with new construction, and that's why you're seeing this tremendous balance in the retail market in that it's lower net absorption but lower construction, so it's a flat vacancy rate. As for asking rents, they're also very, very low, but they're still positive. It was 0.5% in the fourth quarter. That's on average. It was about 0.4% um, over the last uh, six to eight quarters. It fluctuates between 04 and 0.5%. So the increases. It's really, mm -hmm. Yeah, the increases. So mm -hmm. it's still positive, and it's, it's really a blending of the very strong markets and the very weak markets. Um, and that's why the, the, the overall statistics are very low, but they're still positive. Yeah, and to put it in perspective, Barbara, when you look at a 10% vacancy rate with retail overall, all classes around the U.S., historically, how does that compare? Well, uh, I'm trying to think. You know, it's it, the highest was about 12 to 15% mm -hmm. um, in 2008, 2009. But it's never been that much lower than 8 or 9%. It's not a very volatile market. Again, this is neighborhood and community shopping centers. So this is like the needed retail. Our, our mall vacancy rate is about 8.3%, and that was up from uh, the mid-year, which was about 8.1%. So the malls have been taking the bigger hits. But a lot of the mall vacancy rates are uh, – it's the vacancy rate only represents what's for lease. A lot of the Macy's stores and even the Sears stores are, are owned, so they won't be in the vacancy statistics. And again, some malls are still doing okay, and other malls are either shutting down or really are hurting. So um, historically, the, the, the retail sector that we cover has been very 
steady and strong because it really covers the retail that most people need. It's not the, um, you know, the, uh, the, the, the fancier shops in New York City, you know, there's a huge vacancies in New York City, but we don't cover that because it's mixed-use retail. Uh, interesting. So um, when you talk about rental rates, so you've had some small increases in the rental rates on retail overall. What are some sample rental rates per square foot that, that you're seeing in some of these different classes? Um, well, I mean, the highest retail uh, asking rent is uh, in the, um, you know, it's in the, uh, let me see which is the highest. Uh, it's probably, you know, San Francisco, which is, um, you know, in the, it's $35 per square foot. Uh, that's high, but even by, say, New York City standards, that's not very high. And a lot of other markets, it's in the tens. Um, even in, say, Dayton, Ohio, it's below $10 per square foot. So it really, really ranges, and most of these markets are seeing, you know, the highest market growth over the year or over the quarter is like in Seattle, Phoenix, Miami, Orlando. These markets are seeing quarterly growth rates of 1.5 to 2%, which is very strong. And again, these markets have strong employment growth and strong tourism growth. So um, those markets are doing very well. Markets at the bottom are like Fairfield County in, in Connecticut, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Oklahoma City. Um, they're seeing rent declines. Uh, so, you know, you, it is a, a tale of two cities in terms of the markets that are doing well and the markets that are hurting. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and you know, I think we see it. We're headquartered in Atlanta, and you can see a, a retail center across the street from each other. <laughs> one could have $60 rents, and one could have 16 and and it, it can be different for each center in, in every market. Well, Barbara, what do you expect moving forward for performance of brick and mortar retail uh, in the next year? I mean, we've seen like there's uh, a lot of influences and one is the, the tax cuts and the Jobs Act. If, uh, if employers uh, are, have more money to maybe give some uh, rate increases, some employment employers, some employees higher uh, income, and if the employees have more jobs and if the and they have lower taxes themselves you know i think as i said in the opening that you know uh, i think u.s consumers have proven if you give them money they'll spend it so what is your outlook mm -hmm. for retail performance moving forward well yeah there is a general expectation that um, consumer confidence will go up and there will be an impact on the retail market um, the problem is the tax cut really favors the top one percent and they don't spend quite as much of their uh, marginal income on um, uh, retail. I mean, if the tax cut was concentrated in the middle class or lower class, you'd see a direct impact because they spend the vast majority of their income. So, uh, you know, it's not as direct in the retail sector as a lot of people are hoping. Still, I think there is still consumer confidence, but there's not that much overall confidence in the retail market because every time you hear a somewhat positive story which is that oh you know this mall is doing well and this retailer is doing well you have so much to worry about in terms of the store closures Kmart closed over a dozen stores in the fourth quarter alone and we saw that impact in all those markets um, and there's more coming online like Walgreens is going to be closing a lot of stores even though they're not going out of business they're just consolidating their inventory um, Stores like Ann Taylor and The Gap and Toys R Us and Tivana, you know, all these 
big retailers are closing a lot of stores. So that's still going to hurt the retail real estate market. At the same time, I should clarify, there are a lot of retailers that are expanding, a lot of grocery stores, a lot of grocery store concepts that people have never heard of, like H Mart, which is an Asian-style store, and a lot of gyms, a lot of um, you know fitness gyms, uh, Dolphin Fitness, uh, uh, these um, kind of niche gyms, Soul Cycles, and things like that. There are a lot of leasing activity for um, non-traditional retailers like gyms, even charter schools taking retail space, and urban care centers, medical centers. So there are there is retail demand. It's just changed. It's different and. Um, because a lot of people still, they want to spend their money on other things. They want to get out of their house, and they want to spend their money maybe on entertainment and restaurant. The restaurant growth is still very, very strong. So there's, there's things to be worried about in the retail market, but there's still things to um, be hopeful about. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of change going on. We're talking with Barbara Denham, an economist with Reese. And, you know, I heard some analysts uh, this week talking about Amazon's uh, next target acquisition target, being Target, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, the store, which is funny because uh, in Atlanta it's called Target, in North Georgia it's called Target. Uh, but uh, what about these online uh, retailers going into brick and mortar? What impact did that have? What do you see there? Um, yeah, I mean that 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 really looms large. As soon as someone speculates that Amazon would take over Target, um, you know everyone thinks, you know, it's a huge game changer. But I don't think they're going to have that big a difference. I mean, Amazon's uh, role in Whole Foods, it's, it's hard to say what the impact will be. It could be better. It could be better for consumers. It could be better for landlords. They could be managing their inventory uh, more efficiently. Um, uh, you know, I think it's, it's frightening. Like, there's the fear that they're going to get into the uh, pharmacy business and so, uh, you know, Aetna and CVS are, are planning a merger. So you, you hear all this, and it's just too, it's too much to consider. You know, it could be good, it could be bad, it could be, um, you know, a, a net gain for everybody. Yeah. But, um, but it's just too complicated. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting. Say. You know, where there's change, there's also opportunities. And one of those opportunities could be in the investment sales market. We're going to take a short break. We get back on Ask Barbara about the investment sales market, what she saw in 2017, and what she expects moving forward. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. With ArborCrowd, you get to invest alongside real estate experts, sponsors who have a successful track record and skin in the game. It's as easy as one, two, three. Learn about the deals, make your investment, and grow your financial wealth. Visit ArborCrowd.com. Video is powerful. Some of the biggest brands in commercial real estate have trusted us to tell their story. We are Barnes Creative Studios, premier commercial real estate video services. BarnesCreativeStudios.com. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by BuildOut.com. If you run a commercial brokerage firm, you need to check them out. Today we're talking about retail. The show is called Retail 2018. My guest is Barbara Denham. She's an economist with Reese. And Barbara, we talked about the um, 
uh, performance of retail and the changes going on in retail in the previous segment. Let's talk about the investment market because I think it's interesting when you're in a, in a sector where there's having a lot of change, a lot of changes going on obviously in retail, sometimes that means a lot of opportunity. So when you look back at 2017, how much velocity did you see in the sales of retail properties? Uh, definitely the sales volume has declined in 2017. There's a lot of caution in terms of the investment market in retail real estate. Um, the average transaction volume in 2016 was like in the, in the $14 billion range per quarter. And in 2017, it was definitely lower, like in the 10 to $11 billion range. Um, so there's definitely more caution. It, it's, it, there are a lot of niche investors who do their due diligence and they know a good um, property. So there still are sales. There's just, uh, there's not as much um, optimism. So you have to really do your research. Cap rates actually in the retail world have stagnated in the high 7%. They haven't been falling, but they haven't been rising too high. And I think the reason why cap rates have stayed in the 76 to 7.8% range is because the properties that are trading are at the upper end. So you're seeing, um, it's called selection bias. When uh, the properties that trade in a given quarter at the upper end, you see a decline in, in cap rates or flattening, and you think that goes against uh, conventional wisdom, which is that when there's not as much rent growth and, and higher vacancy, that cap rates should go up. But it's the cap rates are based on what trades in the quarter, so you have to base the cap rate on, on exactly what's trading, and, and what's trading is the better property. Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of retail properties that are very core and, and are performing very well, and I think investors mm -hmm. uh, like to see that. As, uh, uh, also, I guess, what about new supply, uh, Barbara? It seems like uh, you don't see malls being built. You, you see mixed use. You see freestanding retail. Uh, what do you see for new supply and the impact there? Uh, definitely new supply has been lower in retail. In fact, um, completions in the fourth quarter was below 1.5 million square feet. And that was the lowest uh, since, I want to say, 2013, where it was about 1.3. So there's definitely been reduced activity. Uh, but even that much would be a surprise, because the overall uh, new completions for the year was about 10.2 million square feet, down from 11.3 last year. So there hasn't been a lot in this expansion, but there's more than people would think, given you know, the store closures and all the news you hear in the media. But again, the good news is that net absorption has been positive and vacancy rates have been flat and, and rent growth is positive. So it's not as dire as people think, and the investment and development market has been very cautious. So it's a market that's at least in balance, and a lot of investors understand this, which is why they're still, they're still considering new properties. Yeah. Well, we're talking with Barbara Denham with Reese about the retail investment market. So, so Barbara, what do you expect moving forward into 2018 for, for volume and for cap rates? Well, we don't see cap rates moving too dramatically because there's, um, you know, there is somewhat uh, an optimism in terms of consumer confidence in retail sales going up. And a lot of that probably will be seen even in bricks and mortar because um, even though, like I said in the beginning, uh, the tax benefits of this tax bill go mostly to the upper, upper class, there's still this idea that people will have a little bit more money in their pocket and that job growth will be positive. So there's a general sense that the retail market will do okay, but if the Fed funds rate goes 
up, you know, usually that has an impact on cap rates going up and that, you know, interest rates going up makes uh, an investment harder to finance. And you see that in the overall return to the cap rate. So you have these competing forces moving um, in both directions for the cap rate. So we really see a, a stagnating. If anything, it'll probably go up just a little bit more from the fact that this is retail, so there's a lot of risk, and the uh, interest rate impact. Right. Well, Barbara, what would you leave our audience with uh, if they're an investor in retail properties, maybe they're a developer, maybe they're considering, hey, is it time to sell? Is it time to, to buy? What kind of tip would you leave retail owners with? Uh, well, I definitely think that uh, there's, there's op opportunities out there. And uh, a lot of it is driven by um, job growth. So as I probably mentioned in the past, there, there's a there are wide disparity in different metros. The metros with the strongest job growth um, are probably the better areas. Those markets include Seattle and Phoenix. You know, markets even like Jacksonville, Florida, and Fort Lauderdale are doing very well. Um, so you have to look at job growth uh, in general, but you know there's still markets that are hurting. In the last year, there was over 20 metros that saw job or uh, rent declines, and those are mostly in the Midwest, but uh, some, like I said, Fairfield County and Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you know, even markets like San Jose aren't doing well. So I think you know a lot of people think this has been a the movement is going to be away from urban and more towards the suburban markets and we're not really seeing that we still think that the urban cores are doing very well and in fact um, they may even do better with this tax bill than the suburban markets uh, because people will be buying houses like they used to because you know if they can't uh, if they can double their uh, standard deduction they won't be buying a house because you know they can do the tax differential and say, you know what, it's still cheaper for me to rent than to buy a house. So, you know, you have to look at all those things because usually buying a house generates a lot of uh, consumption in retail. Um, and if people aren't going to be buying houses, you know, they'll, they'll be renting, but they might be renting downtown still. So it, there's a lot to consider, but there's still opportunities in retail. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, the old saying, right, retail uh, follows roofs. Yep. All right. Well, Barbara, thanks uh, for your information. It's, it's uh, excellent as usual. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure. If you like more information from Reese, visit Reese.com. That's R-E-I-S.com. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. We'll have more on the U.S. retail market. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Buildout, the best all-in-one marketing tool for your brokerage. Learn how you can create marketing materials instantly and streamline your property listings process. Visit buildout.com. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Are you a real estate agent? Hi, this is Michael Bull. Would you like consistent high income? Would you like to be the top producer in your office? Would you like to be known as the go-to broker in your market? Well, I have something for you. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com.
Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by GetValuate.com. It is awesome tool for real estate investment analysis. Well, today we are talking about retail. The show is called Retail 2018. Please welcome my next guest, Steve Jelinek. He's vice president with Morningstar Credit Ratings, and he's joining us on the phone from Philadelphia this morning. Steve, thanks for being with us. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for having me. Well, Steve, traditional grocery stores have really been a, a staple uh, in the commercial real estate and, and the retail market. And you think about a lot of us, at least uh, some of us around the country, shop in these in these shopping centers where these grocery stores are anchors. And it seems like uh, these stores have uh, made uh, grocery anchored centers kind of a staple and a safe uh, investment vehicle. You guys are studying the CMBS market and the, and the ratings all the time. I know you just came out with this article and we'll put a link to this article. If you're uh, driving down the road, uh, don't check this on your website now. Wait till you, <laughs> on your phone till you get home. But it's called Food Fight, traditional grocery stores should benefit from growing e-commerce. And so, Steve, you know, tell us about that. What, what, what do you mean by that? Sure. Um, well, what we took a look at, Michael, was um, what do we think is going to happen to the traditional format grocery store um, over the long term, um, given the, uh, the increase in uh, people's focus on um, e-commerce and the rising growth of e-commerce in uh, in grocery um, delivery and, and grocery um, market in general, um, one of the things that we looked at was that e-commerce growth, the pro projected um, annual growth in e-commerce in, in grocery is uh, projected to be about 25% wow. <laughs> um, by, by 2021 um, compared to traditional supermarkets, which are forecast to be about flat to down to about minus 0.3%. So that kind of led us to ask, ask the question, well, if, if e-commerce is really going to jump that much, what's going to happen um, with all the traditional grocery stores that are out there and, and the real estate um, that they sit on? Yeah, and there's a lot of these grocery stores out there. About how many are there? Um, there are about 30,000 traditional grocery stores across the United States, and they're broken up in, into, into um, different categories. We have, you know, limited assortment. There's the fresh format, which would include something like Sprouts. You have super warehouse clubs, um, super centers, even dollar stores. You know, they sell grocery, groceries as well. As well. And um, we also have, you know, wholesale clubs. Um, they make up a, um, a small chunk of um, grocery um, uh sales as well. Yeah, and some of these grocery store uh, chains have not done so well, right? Like AMP? Yep, yep. Yeah. AMP has uh, filed for bankruptcy. Um, they've, they had 16,000 stores back in 1930. Um, they went out of business. Uh, Fresh and Easy as well. Um, Marsh Supermarkets um, and Bottom Dollar Food Stores, they've all gone out of business as well. But one of the things that we found is that um, when the grocery stores go out of business, um, the stores that are in um, high-density areas, they are usually taken over by a competitor and turned into a successful store. Um, and one of the components that we find there is that if the competitor has um, the sophisticated um, infrastructure to be able to reinvest in the store and to keep growing with things like technology and food delivery um, and pickup, 
then we find that those stores can be sustainable and they can actually, um, you know, go up against, um, you know, the, the big guys like Amazon that are getting into the food business since they bought Whole Foods. Yeah, well, that makes sense. And, and these stores are really changing, aren't they? Yep, they are changing a lot. Um, we have somebody like um, Sprouts. I was just um, noticing their fourth quarter comps actually grew 4.6%. Um, now, Sprouts kind of falls into the fresh format category, um, and their year-to-year -year comps have been above 2%, which is really good for grocery stores given their thin margins. Um, now, what um, a company like Sprouts is doing is they've They've really got their eye on the ball, and they've um, they partnered um, with home delivery, um, including Amazon, um, and they've expanded their home delivery with Instacart, um, and they're also investing in their technology. Um, they're um, they're integrating their ordering um, with their demand forecasting, so that they have fresh goods on stock when they need them, and um, they actually helps with their labor scheduling and the production planning as well. So if if the companies um, that that are you know keeping things fresh, keeping things exciting for their customers, as well as reinvesting in themselves, um, we think that that's you know uh, a great um, uh, fundamental that it will keep them growing and it'll keep you know keep the the risk and the real estate um, subdued. Yeah. Yeah, a man has to eat, right? We, yep, we, yep, we have yep. to people eat. have to eat. And, 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 you know, what we're finding is that people still like to shop. Yeah. Um, and, yes, e-commerce and grocery will grow. Um, people will order food online. Um, but we, we pretty much think that will happen in more of the real, real dense markets in, in, in major cities where that might take a dent out of traditional grocery um, sales. Um, but in, you know, in, in, in the primary suburbs um, and some of the secondary markets um, where you've got, you know, pretty good uh, demand, that the, um, what we found is that being close to um, your customer is key. Right. So that when we look at demand for, for e-commerce in, in the grocery um, field, that the, the the purchases that people make are going to be, um, uh, um, when they look at their fresh produce and their, um, their perishables, those things have to be very close to the customers um, to, keep them fr to keep them fresh. So that's kind of termed um, last mile delivery, so that for someone like Amazon to come into the grocery business and, and to make an impact um, uh, what they have to do is either build warehouse space, which in densely infilled areas is, is hard to do because the real estate just isn't there, or um, take over existing grocery stores like with what they did with the purchase of Whole Foods. Yeah, it's interesting. Even though Amazon's online, they're, they're getting into brick and mortar. And, and these stores seem to be changing because you, you see some stores getting smaller and you see some stores getting mega. I was in a brand new Kroger the other day and boy, they had a separate uh, sushi bar the, that was very fancy, a complete wine area with, I mean, and, and a complete cheese area, gourmet, and then someone there to, behind the counter to, to help you. So some of these formats are, are really getting large, aren't they? They are getting large. Um, you know, what we see with, um, uh, take a look at Walmart super centers. Um, they sell groceries. Um, they sell, you know, everything from soup to nuts. 
so people go in there to buy, you know, um, undershirts and shoes. They can also pick up bananas and um, and their um, vegetables for the week. Um, we also see um, growth in um, wholesale clubs like Costco. Um, their, you know, their grocery sales are, are growing, and um, they, they're basically making money by keeping thing by keeping the prices um, down. And um, the experience also plays a factor, like you mentioned, um, with with the example with Kroger. Um, they're betting on um, the experience of of shopping, um, the people want that experience. It doesn't just apply to, we've written, written other papers on, on the mall experience. And a lot of your listeners probably are aware that, you know, some malls are going by the wayside and some are growing. Well, and the ones that are growing are investing in the, the shopping experience. And that's exactly kind of the, the card that the grocery stores are playing as well, that they're focusing on the experiences. Uh, too. They're, yeah. they're, you know, trying to come up with uh, ways to draw the customer into the store and keep, keep them in the store yeah. with dining areas, sales of liquor, and, and things like that. Yeah, I, and I think it's working. I, I do not like to shop. Uh, uh, sorry, retailers, <laughs> I'm not a shopper, but uh, when I went in that uh, Super Kroger, it felt like I was in a place with little stores, and it was really interesting, and people specializing in, in what I was buying, and, and it really was an experience and as I decided to, to go to a store again in that area I thought about the stores there were a lot of options a lot of options and I said look I want to go to that store because it has an experience and gee while you're there you can get an Eagles jersey too right I mean they sell everything. Yeah yep, for sure for sure um, and uh, touching on the real estate end of it um, you know um, you can also take a look at um, one of the major players is, is Publix. Um, Publix has about 1.3 billion dollars in CMBS, and they are the the fifth largest player in CMBS. Um, that and what they're starting to do is they see value in their um, in their shopping centers. Is they've got a whole real estate arm where they they're actually growing where they um, the centers that they own compared to where they lease so that they not only can, well not only the, be, the benefit to them is they control the real estate um, they get some cash flow from renting out the the other um, uh, stores in the shopping center and they get the benefit of um, increased value of the center itself um, so they get you know some price appreciation um, so that kind of it, it, it it's kind of it goes against what people are thinking if you're on the feeling that uh, e-commerce is going to be taken over um, grocery stores um, not so fast um, you know one of the major players is making a big bet on, on the real estate yeah well Steve how do lenders feel about retail today and uh, especially grocery anchored uh, centers mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting to look at um, in terms of the, the CMBS um, uh, view that the lenders, they're taking a small step back. Um, lending volume is down, um, and some of the other metrics that we look at as well kind of point to, you know, them taking kind of, you know, um, a less risky approach. Um, along with um, decreased lending volumes on grocery anchor shopping centers, um, the centers that they do lend on are in densely populated areas with high demand, 
um, the capitalization rates or the required rate of return um, are you know favorable and um, the loan to values in other words um, how much um, money the, uh, the lenders require up front um, from the borrower um, are higher um, so we're seeing loan to values you know dropped to about 50 to 60 percent from 70 to 80 percent um, just a few years ago so the loans themselves are getting risk riskier as well yeah well it's interesting I'm sorry, let, less risky right it's interesting to see that uh, because um, you know, we, we sell shopping centers here at our shop at Bull Realty in the southeast, and we're seeing tremendous demand uh, from buyers, and I guess that's the way it goes. I mean, it's, 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 uh, some people are shying away from it, afraid of e-commerce, but like you said, you've got to eat. These grocery stores are changing. Uh, they're embracing um, the Internet. Uh, you know, some of my friends now uh, that actually go to the store, they'll actually order online very quickly, uh, repetitive order of, of their staples. They'll just pull in there and get it and, and get out. Well, Steve, what would you leave our audience with uh, related to uh, the CMBS market or the retail market moving forward? Well, um, the... The thing I'd like to kind of focus on is that, um, you know, people are, are looking at, at e-commerce and um, wondering, you know, how much of an effect is e-commerce going to have in grocery. Um, I think that the bottom line is that e-commerce is actually good for grocery. Um, for e-commerce to grow their share of the grocery business, they've um, got to be close to where people live. Um, so that's going to buoy the demand for um, for shopping center um, and grocery stores. Now the, the formats may change, um, and we expect them to keep evolving um, as um, companies invest in um, various technologies and, and experiences to uh, to try to, to you know maintain and increase um, the amount of foot traffic to their their stores. Um, there will be some fallout. Um, some um, some of the, the players that are either in um, you know tertiary markets where there's competition and and they they're not making enough money to reinvest in themselves. They will probably you know go by the wayside. Um, so you know we want to watch out for some of the tertiary markets. Um, but overall, I think it, it's a it's a good time to be in grocery anchored shopping centers. Um, you just have to um, make sure that you're focused somewhere where there, um, the demand and the supply are in, in relative equilibrium, and you've got a growing customer base. Well said and good information, Steve. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you, Steve. So if you'd like more information, visit Morningstar.com. As I said, we'll put a link to the article uh, in the comments below. If you're on uh, iTunes or YouTube, you should be able to find it or visit the website CREshow.com. We'll have it there for you. If you have any comments, uh, let us know what you think. We appreciate you hearing from you. And until next week, make sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Arbor Crowd, invest alongside real estate experts, Get Valuate, online investment analysis, CommercialAgentSuccess.com, better serve clients, earn more commissions, Build Out, marketing for your brokerage, Real Crowd, crowdfunding with the professionals. 
For more information on these great companies, visit CREshow.com. And you're invited to subscribe to the show on YouTube and iTunes and connect with us on your favorite social media.